I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. CRISPR genome editing has the potential to revolutionize the treatment of diseases, but the imprecision of its editing abilities has limited its value. Amendo Biotherapeutics argues that rather than trying to make every disease fit into the standard CRISPR model, the answer lies in making CRISPR feed each disease. We spoke to Rafi Emanuel, Executive Vice President of Research and Development for Amendo Biotherapeutics, about the limits of CRISPR today, the company's experimental program in severe congenital neutropenia, and how the company is engineering CRISPR to optimize it and make its activity precise. Rafi, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dan, for having me. We're going to talk about Amendo Bio. It's platform technologies and its efforts to develop next-generation gene editing therapies. There's a lot of excitement about the potential of gene editing therapies, but where are we in terms of realizing this potential? Well, the potential of gene editing therapies lies in the single administration of the therapy product to cure the disease. Uh, This is unlike gene therapy that is not long-lasting. We are now starting to understand the potential through the first clinical trials that are being conducting. So we have the the very promising results uh, from CRISPR Therapeutics, uh, this is our ex vivo uh, clinical trials and uh, the the in vivo clinical trials from uh, Intelia that demonstrated a very very promising results in terms of efficacy and most importantly, uh, in terms of safety. Uh, So so we need uh, more uh, data like this. And I think that starting with uh, rare diseases, uh, such like uh, sickle cell, beta thalassemia, TTR, and amendments leading uh, indications, severe congenital neutropenia, where the genetic uh, cause of the disease is very clear and the effect of the treatment on the patient's uh, life will be uh, very traumatic after uh, obtaining uh, the the, uh, the treatment. So it, it's, it's very important to to have more confidence in in uh, in 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 the in gene in, in editing technologies. Uh, so eventually we will be able to implement these technologies also on more prevalent diseases and uh, uh, more complex genetics. What are the primary challenges of using this technology today? Are are, are they delivery? Is it a matter of precise editing or is it something else? Yeah. Yeah. So if I had to rank the challenges, I would say safety is the biggest challenge of gene editing. Uh, So we remember the effect of the first gene therapy trials conducted in the 90s to treat skid patients that led to the death of three children from cancer. That incident stopped the clinical trials 
and the development of the field for decades. Therefore, we are at Amendo are working on developing therapeutics product with the highest safety profile. So the second challenge is the lack of flexibility to design therapeutic strategies using the, the current technologies. And the delivery, I would rank them first, uh, first uh, sorry, um, because eventually they restrict uh, the tissues that can be targeted and the diseases that can be treated. Before we talk about your platform technologies, I thought it would be useful to explain how a gene editing therapy works. Can you walk us through that? Sure. So basically, uh, CRISPR-based nucleases are, uh, we can imagine them as molecular scissors. Uh, and and once you, you, you use them, you can target uh, genomic DNA sites using two uh, components. So, so we have two entities in, in these nucleases, the CRISPR nucleases. We have the, the protein with, uh, and the, the molecular uh, and, and the, uh, the RNA uh, guide molecule, which basically helps the protein to target specific uh, uh, sequences in the genome. And these sequences are complement uh, to the sequence of the RNA. And once we have this uh, recognition, we will have a cut in the genomic DNA. And following uh, these breaks, the, the cells uh, utilize the DNA machinery repairs in order to repair these this legions. And the most prevalent, uh, 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 the most prevalent uh, uh, machinery is the non-homologous end joining, which is basically a machinery that ligates the edges. But during doing that, it can add uh, nucleotides, it can delete in, in nucleotides, meaning that it, it generates differences in the, in the genomic DNA sequence, which might lead to uh, a, a knockout in the gene and also uh, changing the, uh, the expression of genes. And if we add also a template uh, in, in, in our, uh, or introduce a, a template uh, uh, in, in, in addition to the nucleases, uh, so we, the, the cells would uh, use uh, a machinery that is called a homology-directed repair, where it, it uses the, the template to correct the, the, the legend according to the sequence that you introduce in this template. So you can either change the mutation and repair it, or even introduce a new sequence uh, to the to the genome uh, to the genomic DNA in order to express uh, uh, different genes. When people hear the term CRISPR, I, I imagine they think of Cas9, which is an enzyme used to cleave DNA. It's a, it's a nuclease. How big a world of nucleases are there, and how specific is their activity to a, an application? So the world of nucleases is big. And uh, from our experience uh, at Amendo, there is a huge demand for novel diverse nucleases as 
Each has its specific characteristics in terms of, of genomic accessibility, activity, specificity, and de delivery modalities. Therefore, there isn't a nuclease that fits all indications. And the reason for that is that you need to start with the best performing composition for your uh, for your indication, and not rely only on uh, improving the activity or the characteristic of of uh, of the nuclease, because there is also always a threshold when you start modifying your nuclease. So if you want to increase its specificity you would basically compromise the activity. So you need to modify it as less as possible in order to have uh, this perfect nucleus for your uh, composition uh, or for your indication. That's why you need to have uh, a large toolbox of different nucleases with different uh, characteristics for as, as, as the, to choose from them the best performing nuclease for, for your indication. Amanda describes its gene editing technology as next generation. What makes it next generation? What does it enable these technologies to do that weren't previously possible? So I think that we don't rely on the first limited sets of nucleases that was discovered, but rather uh, we have a panel of proprietary nucleases that we can further engineer and uh, uh, to use them uh, uh, using our powerful platform to, to use them uh, in, in our different uh, indication. Um, in this way, we can uh, increase the accessibility of the nucleases to the genome, as I've mentioned, and to increase uh, uh, the specificity and obtain the, the, the highest specificity uh, a level uh, a, to have the best uh, safety profile of, uh, of the nucleases to, to be used in the clinics. Amendo has developed two platform technologies. The first is a discovery platform. How, how does it work? What's the starting point? What are the inputs and what's the output? Uh, so we based on algorithm that was trained on data set generated at the Mendo. So we, we, we use this algorithm to analyze complex bacterial metagenomic databases. And following this analysis, we basically obtain putative nucleases and their uh, corresponding guide sequences that are further validated in the laboratory. Uh, and Actually, part of uh, these nucleases are active from the beginning with a very high uh, specificity profile, uh, which is basically enough even to be implemented in therapeutic compositions. You also have a platform to optimize candidates. Walk me through the process. So uh, we use uh, a machine learning algorithm to generate a pool of variants that potentially have improved characteristics. And we develop uh, a high throughput screen uh, a temp a, a platform uh, in, in order to 
to screen for the relevant uh, and the, the most potent uh, variants in the relevant cell system. And uh, usually we need uh, like uh, more than one cycle or, or uh, uh, several iteration uh, uh, in order to, 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 to have this uh, final variant with the optimal uh, characteristic for our indications. Amanda has a, a preclinical pipeline, but as I look through it, your experimental therapies seem to be targeting indications that involve the eye and liver, areas that are most accessible to delivering genetic medicines today. Why target these indications? Well, because accessibility is a major factor for choosing an indication. But I want to add also that these tissues uh, enable us to expand our technological tools. So uh, we can utilize new nucleases uh, from our uh, proprietary uh, pool and uh, use different uh, delivery modalities and also implement unique therapeutic strategies. That's also unique uh, to Amendo in, in, in these fields. Have you been able to show your technology allows you to effectively target other cells and tissues within the body? So efficiency of targeting in vivo is based on the delivery moiety. So, so no, beside the, uh, the, the, the liver and the eye, we haven't de demonstrated uh, anything in other tissues, but, but we did... Uh, a, so we did use our nucleases in different primary cells and we obtained high activity in different cell system using them as plasmid or messenger RNA and either RNP compositions. You're developing both in vivo and ex vivo therapies. What determines whether you'll approach a condition with an in vivo or ex vivo approach? Uh, well, the targeted tissue and uh, its accessibility to the different delivery vehicles. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, uh, I wouldn't treat the uh, liver indication ex vivo. Your lead indication is a gene editing approach for severe congenital neutropenia. This is a rare immune condition. Can you explain what it is and how it manifests itself and progresses? Yeah, sure. Uh, so severe congenital neutropenia is a neutrophil maturation disorder. Uh, neutrophils are white blood cells that fight infections such as bacteria, viruses, and fungal infection. Uh, this disease is manifested by low counts of neutrophils in the blood, which lead to uh, severe and recurrent life-threatening infections. And uh, in most of the cases, uh, this uh, disease is caused by more than 200 mutations, in, uh, mainly in the, in the gene called Elaine, which codes for uh, neutrophil elastase. And these mutations are autosomal dominant, meaning that you need only one affected 
copy of the gene in order to have the phenotype of severe congenital neutropenia. And the severity of the disease differs between different patients according to the mutation. And uh, in some uh, would respond uh, very well to the standard of care treatment, and some would uh, need bone marrow transplant transplantation uh, very early. Uh, this is a pediatric uh, a, a disease, so if if the patient would need uh, bone marrow transplant transplantation, so it's it's being done very early, and some uh, would develop or acquire further mutation during uh, the course. Uh, the, during their life and uh, they they would stop responding or the uh, reduce their responsiveness to the to the treatment and which might increase the risk for uh, a blood cancer and this so uh, this this patient would also require a bone marrow transplantation what's the prognosis for someone diagnosed with this condition today uh, so so the, the prognosis today is basically you you just uh, uh, see the uh, count of uh, of the, of the of the in the blood and and once you see that they are very low below uh, five hundred neutrophils per microliter so they start treating uh, with uh, uh, with the GCSF uh, which is a growth factor uh, that that basically overcome the differentiation and maturation arrest. And if the patient doesn't uh, respond to, to the highest amount of, or the highest, high, highest dose of, uh, of uh, a, a GCSF that can be a, a, a given, so this patient is, uh, undergo, undergoes the bone marrow transplantation. What's your experimental therapy EMD-101 and, and how does it work? So EMD-101 is an autologous uh, product of uh, edited hematopoietic stem cells. What I mean by autologous is that the source of the cells are from the patient. Uh, and these cells are basically, uh, the hematopoietic uh, stem cells are uh, cells that are originated from the bone marrow and they are responsible for the generation of uh, the whole uh, blood cell lineages. Uh, so basically what we do in, in this product, we mobilize the hematopoietic stem cells uh, uh, from the bone marrow to the blood. Uh, these cells are being collected, isolated from the other cells, and, and we use our therapeutic composition to specifically knock out the mutated copy of, uh, of the gene and keep uh, the healthy copy intact. Uh, in this way, we basically eliminate the source of the disease and we enable the differentiation of the hematopoietic stem cells towards functional uh, neutrophils. Uh, this product will be frozen. And after editing, we freeze the cells. We do... Uh, a very thorough analysis to to assess the safety and the potency of the of the, of the product, and then uh, it will be th uh, thawed and injected back to and engrafted uh, to the patient. Uh, now, as a, a, 
as you could understand, like we need here uh, our composition in able or or has the capability to to discriminate between the two copies of the gene, the healthy and the mutated copy, uh, by the mean uh, by on the base of uh, uh, one mismatch, one single nucleotide, which basically raised the bar for the specificity level needed from the nucleases. And we could achieve this uh, high bar of specificity using our technological platform. And uh, in addition, uh, I mentioned that uh, this, this mutation is caused by more than 200, uh, 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 this disease is, is caused by 200 uh, mutations in the, in, the, in the gene Elaine, meaning that we couldn't uh, develop uh, a single uh, or, or a, a composition for each mutation. And uh, uh, therefore, we thought of a more creative uh, a strategy where we achieved a little specific editing, not by targeting the mutation, but by targeting single nucleotide mor- uh, polymorphism, what we call SNPs, that are located close to the gene and linked to the mutation. And uh, using this strategy, we could uh, we can basically uh, treat uh, almost all the patient uh, population using few compositions. What's the development path forward? Uh, so we aim to have uh, two clinical sites uh, for this program, one uh, in the United States and one in Germany. That's why we approached uh, the uh, regulator authorities uh, uh, in the United States, the FDA and the, and the PI in, in, in Germany. And we recently have uh, meetings with both of them, which were very, very uh, positive uh, a meeting and now we are working on uh, finalizing the the, the studies uh, uh, that would enable us to 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 start uh, our first in human uh, uh, next year uh, uh, we we will start although this is a pediatric disease uh, we are going to start with adults and uh, in in the first in human and uh, following uh, uh, demonstrating the safety and efficacy of uh, of our product we will gradually reduce the age of the patients and the the production of the of the product will be done here in israel so we are also establishing the the site uh, meaning that all samples the blood samples will uh, will uh, will be sent here to israel will we will uh, uh, produce the product and freeze it and send it back to the clinical uh, sites. The Japanese genetic medicines company Angus acquired Amendo Bio in 2020. Uh, Amendo is based in New York and, and Tel Aviv. What did the acquisition do for Amendo? Uh, so when Angus acquired Amendo, we remain an independent company. And we work and coordinate closely with Angus, uh, the strategics of Amendo. There are differences in company cultures between a, a startup and a more mature company. I suspect those differences may be amplified by one company being in Japan and the other in the United States and Israel. How do the 
companies work together and how have the cultures merged or clashed? Wow, beautiful question, Danny. Uh, I, I think it's a very interesting cultural experience. Um, the Israeli start, uh, startup culture is, uh, is extremely innovative and versatile, making a bold decision fast. Uh, this is very beneficial for developing new technologies. And being managed from the United States, we are also influenced by the business culture that is market-oriented from the early stages with strong expertise, with uh, building structures and value-generating company. And the Japanese business culture is generally more traditional, uh, personal and details-oriented, which I believe eventually generates a balanced company. And I think that, after all, we are very fortunate to discover that Angus is open-minded, that accepted the merge of uh, the, the three cultures. Rafi Emanuel, Executive Vice President of Research and Development for Amendo Biotherapeutics. Rafi, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny, for uh, this opportunity to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.